You're listening to audio from Church of the Incarnation. To donate to our ministry or find out more, please visit incarnationcfl.com. Well, good morning. Happy Palm Sunday to you. I think that's the appropriate liturgical greeting. Happy Palm Sunday, blessed Palm Sunday. It's just great to be at Palm Sunday, isn't it? Wow, I can't believe this is happening. Here we are, Holy Week already. Wow. So, it, obviously, here, here's what we need to discuss and remember today. We're, we're talking about Jesus' triumphal entry. His entry into Jerusalem. And it's a day that is full of such deep and wonderful imagery for us. And also irony. It, it tells us so much about who we are. And who our God is. And I just want to revel in that for a few minutes. So I'm hoping that some of this will inspire you and move you towards loving God. God comes to his city. This may be a bit of an unusual sermon because I actually wrote this down and I'm going to read it. Believe it or not, I'm going to stick to my nose today on Palm Sunday. So forgive me, this is unusual. He comes to a city, a king dressed in commoner's clothes. And he's unrecognized and rejected by his own people. Because his mission to meet their real need subverts their felt needs. Can you hear that? As people are here to, to say, I believe in this king. What, what you're doing by coming in here today, instead of playing sports or going to the beach or whatever else you're, you could have done, is your, your heart, whether you realize it or not, the very fact that your feet walked you into this place this morning, you are declaring in a way that just makes God so thrilled. You're, you're declaring that you have a king who's, who's met your real need and not just your felt needs. And, and sometimes has chosen to not meet your felt needs. Stuff, safety, security, comfort, peace, prosperity, wealth. I mean, Jerusalem is a city full of anticipation that the Messiah, which means the anointed one, would come and meet the felt needs of the people, which for them mostly meant freedom from Roman taxes. And here comes the king of the universe, walking in, riding in, in commoner's clothes to meet the one true need that everyone in the city actually had, freedom from sin. And so many people just don't want that. And, and miss it and reject it because, because it subverts a felt need. And here you are saying, God, I get it. Help me got it. Right? I, help me get it more. God, that you've met, you've met my, my real need. That, that in the truest sense, I'm a rich person. That in the truest sense, I have everything I need. Do you believe that? Like, that's part of the gift of Palm Sunday, that you would truly believe that. I've got everything I need, just not for now, but for eternity. In, in your presence, oh Jesus. Ooh, that's good stuff. Maybe that's for someone this morning. And I wonder, you know, when, when Jesus walks into the city, uh, <clears throat> what's on his mind, right? I, I can tell you that he's the only person coming into the city of Jerusalem that day who knew how the next few days would go. And I think about him coming into that city just a few weeks before in Luke's Gospel, Luke 13, and he says this as he sees the city, O city that stoned the prophets and kills those who, sent, who are sent to it, how I long to take you under my wing like a mother hen, but you wouldn't let me. So the whole city, or at least a 
a throng of them. It's just in this anticipatory uproar of a Messiah, an anointed one that's going to come and deliver them from all their felt needs. You following me? And Jesus is the only one coming into that city that knows that is exactly and precisely not the way the next few days are going to go. That he's going to deliver the whole city, in fact, the whole world from its real need, a prison of sin, not a prison of Rome, and that's going to cost him his own life, and he comes into that city in joy to do it. The author of Hebrews tells us that. That in Hebrews 10, that for the, in the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. What's the joy? It's you guys. And what I think is so sad, and what I just want to just wipe out of our minds is this incessant thinking we have of like, oh God, do you really still love me? He came to your city. He came to the brokenness of your life. When you were looking for Him to do other things, when you were incapable of understanding what His presence meant, when you're asking of Him all sorts of wrong and bankrupt things, when you don't get Him, He gets you. And He comes to the city of your heart. And He does it in joy. That's good news. So as I'm thinking through this, I'm like, wow, what a, what a, what a beautiful thing this says about who God is and also who we are. And I'm, you know, it was like Tuesday morning. I'm thinking sort of, I had gotten way deep into thinking probably too philosophically about this. And it occurred to me that there are a bunch of really interesting parallels with what Jesus does on Palm Sunday in Jerusalem and what Jonah did the first day he walked into Nineveh. And I thought, well, I wonder if Jesus was thinking about that when he's walking in to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. I just want you to think about it. Remember that story, Jonah? Listen to this. Jonah, <clears throat> God's prophet. O city that stones the prophets. Right? There's a story from the Old Testament. Jonah, God's prophet walks a day's walk into Nineveh, the quintessential city standing for the pinnacle of wickedness, debauchery, and godlessness, full of false religion, blatant immorality, and violence. He walks a day into that city and preaches a sheepish, half-hearted, one-line sermon. I wish I could get away with that. <laughs> this is all he says. And he says it grumpily. He doesn't even want to say it. He says, 40 more days, and the whole city perishes. And a revival breaks out so tremendously strong. Like, the whole city, it seems, from the narrative, so, so radically turns to Yahweh that Jonah's angry about it. He can't believe how successful his own ministry is. And he didn't want it to be successful because he didn't like those people. <laughs> At all. And, and so the story ends with Jonah. I mean, there's so many parallels. It's unbelievable. Sitting under a tree, mad at God's mercy. That's how it ends. Now think about this. Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, just like Jonah. But this time, it's not Nineveh. It's not the archetypal enemy city of God. This is God's hometown. And we should all be thinking, well, he's probably going to get a different reception. You're right, but it ain't good. And I think it says so much more about his heart for you. 
God comes into God's city, yet the false religion is still there. But it's masked and it's subtle. It's not in a Babylonian ziggurat, in a high place on a hill, or in some pagan shrine. This time, it's cloaked in priestly robes. False religion. This time, it's embedded within the lame and blind sacrifices daily brought to the temple by people who don't really care. The immorality in this city is internal as much as it's external. It's it's religious prize, think about pride, housed within whitewashed tombs of hardened hearts. Yet this city's messenger is no half-hearted prophet. It's God himself. And he, he comes into this city and almost no one listens. At least not at first. And the story ends, or maybe I should say it begins, with, with the messenger that God sent to this city, not underneath a tree, angry, but on it, in joy. The ultimate expression of God's love for not just Nineveh, but for Jerusalem and the world. God has come to this city too, you know. Oviedo, that's what we're proclaiming on Palm Sunday. That God has come to our city. And He hasn't come just for the Ninevites. He's come, come for the Jer- Jerusalem religious establishment as well. He's not just come for the Ninevite sinners, blatantly and obviously rejecting God. He's come for all the subtly rejecting God religious people who couch disobedience in religious terms. Who give God his Blaine Lime sacrifice on Sunday morning so they can do what they want with the rest of their week. And he's come in joy willingly. But I just want to put before you, how will his arrival be greeted? And think about this. When Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, he's rejected by the religious establishment. Why? Because he refused to bring the financial peace and prosperity that they were actually asking of God. How many, how many of us reject him in that same way? He, he refuses to meet their felt need of financial peace and prosperity, and instead, he offers them the meeting of their real need, which is, don't lose this, forgiveness of sins, which nobody in the religious establishment thought they needed anyway. So the whole city just says, no thanks to the king of kings coming in their midst because what they really want is stuff and they don't think they need forgiveness of sins. They can get that on their own through their own law keeping. Are you following me? Because that's like the most American thing ever. Unless you think you don't live around a whole city of Pharisees. You do. And you might be one. Because we got a city in Oviedo and Winter Springs, I guarantee you, where if you ask somebody, how do you get to heaven? You know what they're going to tell you? Be a good person. 
And so why would I need Jesus? Why do I need to come in here on Sunday morning and worship a God who does something I don't need him to do for me? I do it myself. I'll play baseball on Sunday morning. And that's happening out there everywhere. So, so we've, we've got a city that, that sees a God who gives them a need they don't feel they have. And, and then, who's, who's also just entirely willing to reject this God because he hasn't met the needs they do feel. Physical prosperity, wealth, comfort and ease. And I just want to ask you, how many people in our culture just would say no to God? And, and you ask them why, and it's because something so difficult, tragic, hard, disastrous, has happened in their life, and there's just nothing they can do with that thing other than to blame God who must have been behind it. Right? And so for what, 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 what Palm Sunday is for us is just this glorious opportunity to just push both of those aside and with palm branches in our hand to lay them down at the feet of a God who we see correctly. Oh God, I just welcome you into the city of my heart today. And I'm declaring with the, with the most half-hearted, sheepish, like sometimes I don't believe it, oh God, help me believe it way that I possibly can, that you really are king over me. And that means you're not going to be my genie in a bottle that, that meets every one of my felt needs. And I reject that, God. That's why this whole town sent you to the cross that you are on. And I'm not going to be one of them. But God, I'm just going to declare that you've met my real need, forgiveness of sin, that I cannot get for myself. That's why I'm here, to just come at your feet and say, oh God, do for me what I can't do for myself, or I've got no hope. And that's what this whole week is about. Meeting God in that place. <clears throat> and this is the last thing I want to say, and it's, it's, it's such a challenge that... One of the things that I think the Lord wants us to realize in this moment, as there are about, you know, 90 of us gathered here or so, is that what we're here proclaiming, that we do have a king who's coming to our city, that's true for every single person not here as well. It is. That the whole, that's the power of Palm Sunday, that we're saying God has reoriented the entire universe around his rule and authority in the person of Jesus, and the whole town is going to bend a knee in front of this God one day or another, whether they realize it or not. That is like serious stuff that takes this moment just out completely and totally out of the realm of sort of some cute religious exercise that some people do into absolutely the most urgently life-rearranging thing you could possibly think of. That's the force of this. And in fact, I, I think it's so humorous that our lectionary just takes the bite out of that because they don't want to offend people on Sunday morning, so we start where we choose this passage and we leave out the harsh part. Well, I'm going to put it back in. Ready? <clears throat> All right, let's do it. Look, if you look at your reading this morning, Luke chapter 19, very quickly, look at what the first line says. After telling a parable to the crowd at Jericho, Jesus enters Jerusalem. Do you want to know the parable that he told the crowd at Jericho? This is the setup for Jesus' triumphal entry. He says, hey, there was a city 
And the city had a king, but the king went away on a distant journey and was gone for a long time. And the people in the city started deciding, well, I don't know if that king's ever going to return. And one day he does. In commoner's clothes. And when the king returns, there's a huge portion of the city that just has decided they're better off doing life without him. What do you think the king's going to do? And this is what Jesus tells us right before this triumphal entry. Listen to this. Luke chapter 19, verse 26. He says this. This is how the parable ends. I tell you, to those who have, more will be given. But to those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom. You've been given the secret of the kingdom of God. You have a king. You know who he is. You know, you know who Jesus is. You know what he's here to do for you. And for you, blessed people that God has decided to do that for, and I don't know why, and it wasn't about you, let me tell you. More is going to be given. You're going to be ushered into his kingdom forever. It's going to be amazing. But to those who don't have anything, who are out there today, unaware of the coming of this king, even the little glimmer of light that they have, is going to be taken away. And then, lest you don't know what that means, this is what Jesus says next. The very last thing He says before His triumphal entry, He says, For as for these enemies of Mine, who did not want Me to be king over them, bring them here and slaughter them in My presence. After He said this, He went up to Jerusalem. And then the reading begins. And we leave that out of our lecture because that's like, what? That's intense. And I think, what, what is the Holy Spirit saying? This is what he's saying to us on Palm Sunday, that we really do have a king who's coming back. We, de we declare it most Sundays on the Nicene Creed to judge the living and the dead. Every person. And for you... That is going to be a blessed day of God piling on to your life the more of His eternity. But for those who don't know Him, it's a day of death. Eternal death. That's the force of Palm Sunday. It is a radical and almost frightening truth that should commission us to invite somebody to Easter. It should commission us. Say, God, who, who would you have me tap to just maybe be part of the process of you awaking their heart to the reality of your kingdom and your coming? To, to be part of the process of you doing for them what you did for me because this is serious business. And every heart Every heart in this entire town is accountable to this Palm Sunday moment, whether they realize it or not. Amen. Please stand. Thanks for listening. Would you like to connect with our church? Join us online or in person every week at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit IncarnationCFL.com to learn more. Have a great week.